Episode 251 And it's me Gary P And of course It's the prop It's Carl Riley. I hate football He's a weary man He's a broken And down man uh, But we're going to get him Back into the spirit Of things again Prof It's been a tough week Well we needed a break We needed a break uh, We were going hard at it Up to 250 Plus I think people Were still listening To the podcast By Thursday Yeah I think A couple week. of people Still listening So Yeah Far Of course away. Leicester Credit and Ocean Electrical are fantastic sponsors. Um, sponsors for life, hopefully. But brilliant, brilliant guys. Check them out if you need any of your lending needs or, of course, you need some electrical work done. Ocean Electrical will, uh, when they're not abroad, sun it up, they will look after your electrical needs. So, Prof, this week, potentially the present show, Champions League and FA Cup elimination. Interview with Kevin McCluskey. Brilliant stuff again, Kevin. Really, really likable fella. And the Hungry Base Journal. Yeah, he's the Hungry Base Journal. We had on last year and doesn't love the Fraddy Prof. Our Conference League opponents on Thursday. Hannah Dunn chats to Jess Hennessy and Justin Mason about our Rings End Rover in the World Cup. And there's another quiz between Lee Grace and Lee Bort. Once again, uh, hosted by Harry Moore. Harry Moore is just, he's natural, isn't he? He just keeps getting better and better every week. He, uh, I'm actually trying to remember the order we recorded these in now, but yeah, but whatever the third one he did in, he goes up because he, he stopped someone from potential mistakes, so he's learning on the job as well. There was a potential was, steal. I think that was me actually. Yeah, I think he, yeah. he might have <laughs> came in and saved you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, Harry's an absolute natural, and uh, yeah, he's, he's nailing it. So, uh, good man, Harry. So, we've got. Yeah, seven more after this one. You hear between Lee Grace and Lee Bert, Lee and Bert. Some exciting potential matchups. Uh, still, Rory Gaffney and Jack Byrne is the one I think people are looking out for. Slobber knocker. So yeah, like we say, Tipsy's two fifty gear. Um, we have broken the record. Four hours thirty nine minutes. The old record was four twenty five with Mark Kenny and Tony Cousins back in twenty eighteen. <laughs> So we smashed the record. To be honest, like honestly, ne- we won't be doing this again. Now we there might be a three-hour show, it maybe, do- maybe a few times a year, audience yeah. show or something. But 
this will never happen again. It doesn't feel like that though when you're sitting yeah. there. Because we're naturally talking about what we love. You're expanding on certain points. You're coming back to them. It doesn't feel that way. Obviously the content adds to it as well. But the mm. natural conversation that was between us and McDara, yeah. it was just flowing. That was three hours. I thought it was a good three hours. Mm. I thought absolutely. Yeah, didn't think any of it was. Totally agree with you, Prof. And we have a live show coming up. Not a raucous one, but it's being recorded. It's going to get put in the bank, and we'll release it whenever we see fit. But it's a good one, Prof. Mm -hmm. It's ultra orientated. Keeping this one under wraps for an hour. Yeah, we're recording that. When are we recording that? This week is it? This Friday, actually. This Friday in a secret location, Prof. We won't reveal our sources. Right, John so yeah, um, somebody asked the question, what is the combined running time of the podcast for 250 episodes? Um, does SoundCloud actually add that up? No, you got to go and do it yourself, unless they add your listens, I don't think they add that up. Combined time, um, mm. there, there's a quiz question there. That is a quiz question. Yeah. Uh, hopefully more than two people end that competition. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The 50s 250 promo, uh, which we, we absolutely love, thanks to Kane Hopkins again for that one. Um, we... We actually recorded our part after 2.50. We went to the pub. It was about 10 at night. We recorded our little bit. Tiffany's 2.50. Mm-hmm. Cheers with, with, the, with the, the beer and the Guinness. And uh, We actually yeah. got some more audio after that, which is on Instagram, which we're struggling to actually pull it from Instagram. We, John Gibbons, some international <laughs> DJ. Apparently, he's a Rovers fan. So, Dan Fulham has got a bit of competition. Oh, he gave us a shout-out. Yeah, it? big shout-out to John Gibbons. He said... Actually, do you know what? Hold on. Since we're here... We might as well play. So John Gibbons, international DJ, apparently, and uh, he gave us a shout out. So I just said to him, I heard there was a Rovers affiliation, so I just went for it. Tifties two fifty, congratulations, lads. So DJ John Gibbons, international DJ. There we go. There you go. First name, and then uh, Paul Heaton. I tell you, oh, I tell you what, bro, we have a bit of pull. World. Um, yeah, Tony O'Dowd. This would have been a quiz question. Don't think anyone would have got though. The only man to appear in both Tifty's one fifty and two fifty promos. But I think it was worth it just for the turning away from the camera. <laughs> I was cracking up laughing. That was very good. I when I text Beach Boy, uh, I was I, I sent it back, but then he sent me more videos back of all his friends taking the piss out of him. So when he said Tifty two fifty, all his mates were sending them videos going Tifty's two fifty, <laughs> ripping the piss out. Uh, yeah like we got we got some nice feedback from the show and the Desi Baker interview you have something there in a moment but in general actually the most feedback we got was for the, for the starting 11s the best and the worst like we had we had Eamon in the in the group chat coming up with all sorts of 11s uh, a ginger 11 who would score the most in scramble in scrabble sorry who was, who was with us for two spells? Who was two nationalities from outside Republic actually, of Ireland? it was actually good crack in the, was, in the yeah. chat wasn't it? See Maloney and straight in. He loves that type of stuff. Loves yeah, a little yeah. type of quiz. Uh, some point out that uh, Tommy Alua scored his debut goal for Wexford and Bray on the Friday. On the day. <laughs> on the day that we were shredding them. And just I don't I don't think we had Mikey O'Connor on the shortlist for worst striker. But uh, just a quick note that he's gone to the Swedish fourth tier. Swedish fourth tier. Mm, it's the latest on Mikey O'Connor. And um, we also had Green Blood doing a live Twitter party of. Tifty's two fifty. That, that was, was mental. It was quite mental. Yeah, uh, he was he was well tanked up though. He's full of IPAs. I think so. Uh, but enjoyable. I yeah, appreciate. Yeah, I, yeah, it was nice that someone actually took the time to do that. <laughs> I appreciate that sort of madness. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, Rob Lavelle said he just finished the podcast and he photoshopped himself as an old man with grey hair. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
So yeah, who did that guy get John Byrne? There. John Byrne listening to Desi Baker is such a treat. Gave us so many brilliant moments to savor from those opening seasons, and Tala totally got Rovers and a lovely fella too. One of the most genuine people I've ever met. Nice one, Prof. Yeah, John. Stephen Jones auditioned for the Tifties Two Fifty segment. Didn't even get a call back. Jeez, and Stephen Jones can't even get in. Story of life, Jonesy. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> big shout out to Jonesy though. Doing big things, theater, uh, movies, TV. Bit of culture from the thespian of the South Stand. So, a um, couple of other notes here. Uh, Justin Mason said it took him five attempts to listen to two of fifties, three walks uh, at the end of last week. We're filling people's weeks. This is how we do it, bro. Uh, Stavros Cousin says uh, Dave O'Connor should have been left back over Connor Powell. Very, very valid. Um, I forgot him my shot. He was, yeah. I think he was at centre half as well, and then we put him in the left back. He was very, very average. To be honest, anybody who played in the back four in the 5-0 against Cork in 2016, if you argue they should be our back four, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Because that was just the worst ever. It was shocking. Uh, congrats to Damien Seamus Keddy, our 200, or sorry, 2,000 follower on Twitter. 2K followers, Prof. We've been teetering between 1990 and 2000 for months. And it's going down, mm. it's going up, it's going down. Finally hit the 2k. I say congratulations. He hasn't won anything, has he? Congratulations to us. We were going to do something, but then yeah. it happened. So Yeah. So, yeah, 250 gear. We need ideas for for new guests and segments and all sorts. Maybe uh, Katie McCabe's brother, Gary, could get on. I think so. He made it into the... He was very happy with making it into the best talent 11. The best talent era. So, mm-hmm. I think it's on the cards. It's coming, prof. Also, a belated 40th to Graeme Gartland and uh, Big Garts, our LOI TV Supremo, hit the big 4-0. I think I've more grey hair than him, Prof, <laughs> at this stage, but he's doing well, he's flying. So, happy 40th, and on a sad note, we have rest in peace to rest in peace to Francis Cody, so brother of former John, Rovers player John. So, John Cody, condolences to all the family, John. Prof... The, and we have announced the departure of Shane Robinson from the club. He's now the assistant director of football with the FAI. So Shane initially would have been the mastermind behind the Roadstone. I think him and Brad's are initially at the start. It could be this could differ now, but came together and they kind of saw the vision for for Roadstone. And it's been successful ever since. So he's been he's been poached to the FAI. It feels very significant, though. I mean, all this began with uh, Robbo and Brazzer and the board in 2016. So a few people are using the words end of an era for our team um, in terms of we need a lot of investment next season, new players and all that. But just purely from a behind-the-scenes academy perspective, this is like feels major. Yeah, there's a lot of hypothetical situations that have arisen from this. What ifs? Like, is it going to be appointed from within? Are we going to have due process and appoint from, and put it and advertise it out in the in the open space on LinkedIn and um, and couple of these? Are we going to get profiles in? Is that going to happen? It's going to be very very interesting. Do we go with continuity and appoint from mm. within? It's uh. Well, hopefully it's, the idea is he's left in such a good place that we. His replacement can just carry off. Really. Yeah, it's kind of hard to fumble because it's in a good, it's in good nick. So, there, is there much more you can do? Plenty of names being bandied about. We won't say anything at the minute, but um, 
With Graham Barrett as well. So he has left his coaching role with the current 14s. I think they're going into the 15s now as well. So a very heartfelt message on Instagram mm. for his uh, compatriots and his young players that he has guided through the system for 10 years now. And that's that team I always talk about. Not the one I was telling you about. The one that Jaden played yeah. growing up. Some absolute starlets in that team. So... It's going to be very interesting to see what happens in the next couple of weeks, Prof. And speaking of uh, people moving up in the world or getting new jobs or double jobbing or and all this sort of thing, uh, Gary Parsons is currently an employee of the Four Provinces. Tell them about the cream, Prof. Tell them about the cream, the golden cream I poured you. Well, when I heard that you'd be putting points in my logo, first, my first thought was, from my manager in on post <laughs> to my local barman. What, what a fall from grace. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but in fairness, you pulled an excellent point against. I think I screwed you over a little bit. I took the photo just before you were finished. But even if you had part of the perfect point, you were just going to get slagged across ah, the board. The, I, I think yeah. one, one of my favourite quotes was, I couldn't pull me out, Mickey. Never mind the point. <laughs> No, I was quite satisfied with this point. Uh, someone pointed out there was ghost stains in the glass, so then you made sure my next glass had no ghost stains. Um, I think, honestly, I loved it. I really did. Um, I, I like being busy. I like constantly staying active, and it, you can't sit still if you're working a bar. You, you were really very can't. engaged as a barman, I must say. I thought you were, thought you were good. It, it was good crack. I, the slaggings, I don't... Uh, like, I think the highlight was I have a head like a ladder. <laughs> and the Christian brothers wouldn't touch me. <laughs> that was a, that was a good one. Um, but overall, no, it was it was really enjoyable, and it's very very satisfying pulling points against us. <laughs> very satisfying. Beer, I struggled with. Struggled at the start. Yeah. I was giving out flakes on these things and everything. There was half foam. It's a little bit tricky, but points against us. It is there is yeah. a technique, but it's just so satisfying pouring them. How happy were you when that woman ordered the green ribbon? Oh, two of us caught each other's eye and we were like, great choice. Yeah. Prof goes, great choice. She goes, yeah, it's a nice beer. <laughs> yeah, it's a great beer. Great. <laughs> yeah, so uh, watch watch out for me behind the ta- behind the, the taps and pulling points. Um, first up, we have the return of Kevin McCluskey, Prof, a football rider based in Budapest for the lowdown on Ferenc Varos, the Friday. So we're joined once again by Kevin McCluskey, our man on the ground in Budapest. He's a Scotsman living over there for a number of years now doing media work. You may remember him from last year when we played French Virus. So we brought him back on again for his expertise. The first ever expert to come on our podcast twice. So welcome back, Kevin. Cheers, Carol. Thanks for that. Yeah. Pleasure to be back again. Uh, only one place to start, and um, the two legs against the Faroe side, Klaxvik. Uh, nil nil in the first game, a shock 3 0 defeat for Freddy at home in the second leg. It's obviously cost the manager his job and all. Uh, nobody saw this coming from our end, anyway. Um, we'll go into detail on the squad in a minute, maybe, but just give us a general picture on how this result happened. Like, was there a sign of it going in, and what did you think of the game as it unfolded? Mm. Yeah, um, for the game itself, no, there wasn't really a sign that this was going to happen in this particular game, I wouldn't say. Um, Ferenc Varos were extremely confident that they were going to win the game, so much so that their social media team put out some posts prior to the, the second leg. I saw uh, that, yeah. Giving, giving advice, I think, on how to get to 
to uh, Sweden for the the game against Hacking, it would be. Um, you know, they, they were doing all that. This is our next round of opponents. They were so confident they were going through. It was a major surprise that it happened. That said, Ferenc Varosho for the last six months, potentially going back even to last October, you can go back that far, have been a team on the, on the decline, really. They did exceptionally well to get through their um, Europa League group last season, obviously getting to the knockout stages, and they ran Leverkusen close over the two games. But since then, the form's kind of fallen off a cliff. They were, they'd had, I think it was a 12-point lead at one point in the, in the NB1, the national championship here in Hungary which then went down to six points at one point or four points. They eventually won the league fairly comfortably in the end, but there's been a steady decline. But again, going into a game against the side from the Faroe Islands, with the greatest of respect to Klaxvik, they were expected over the two games they would be strong enough to go through and see it through. So yeah, it, it has been a shock and it's definitely been felt quite strongly around the world of Hungarian football. That was my next question. What's, what was the reaction in Budapest from fans and media? Because uh, supporters are, are passionate, to say the least. Yeah. So Cherchisov was not a very popular figure as the manager. Um, the style of football that he'd been implementing over the last kind of year or so was pretty dull. It wasn't doing anything. So they were getting results in Europe and kind of grinding out results at home. But the fans demand more. Um, so as soon as the final whistle went, in fact, probably as soon as the halftime whistle went, in the second game, the fans were showing their displeasure. And I think it was a half an hour after the game, it was announced that he'd, he'd been sacked. It was that quick, pretty much, he'd gone. Um, the media reaction was one of just complete shock, really, because, again, no one expected this to happen. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a major shock. And then it's the knock-on effect that, that has to the Hungarian game because the national team has been doing so well and built up a lot of uh, kind of respect again, I think, in Hungarian football. And then for your flagship team to go out in such a game, it's really hit them hard because now there's a real possibility that there's going to be no Hungarian teams getting group stage football this season in Europe. And that's not something that they want to really, really want to think about. What were the goals like? I've seen the third goal. It looks kind of like a comedy of errors. But, um, but I mean, French Virus obviously had a lot of the ball where they hit on the counter or how did it play out exactly? Yeah, so the first goal, uh, I'm just going to remind myself of who it was. It's caught in possession. Just bear with me. Two seconds. I think it's, uh, it's Traore. Yes, he's the um, he's playing kind of right wing at the time. And he gets caught in possession maybe about 30 yards out from goal. There's not really a big danger at the time, but uh, he is just so slow to react and try and get back. It's, again, just one of those goals. Terrible defending. Um, the boy gets gets to the byline, cuts it back. There's a good finish in the end, but from a, a Friday point of view, it's poor defending, it's avoidable. But they go, right, we're one nothing down after about 10 minutes. It's harsh, but we expect that we're going to get two goals in this game anyway. Um, in fact, I think the first goal sorry, was the penalty. Rather, um, I've just described the second goal to you first. But yeah, it's just it was just basic poor defending that led to the first couple of goals. You know, just letting players steal the ball quickly, getting into space behind, no one tracking back and covering runs. Very kind of basic errors. And then the third goal is just an absolute joke from the goalkeeper Debus. He's uh, 
he's a guy that's kind of rebuilt a reputation over the last three or four years because he was always a keeper that had a big error in him and he'd kind of just taken that out of his game. And as I say, I'm sure you've seen this one now. He's, he's caught out for the long ball over the top. He's maybe at the edge of his 18-yard box, tracking back, trying to get to, to his goal line. And the lad's just been very opportunistic, seen the gap and went for it. I still think Debus should save it quite comfortably, but he's let it go through his hands. And then it's that uh, kind of comedy effort to try and save it on the line. Yeah. But yeah, three very poor goals. First two, really avoidable to kind of personal mistakes. And then the third, just an absolute calamity. You probably saw the clip of the Pharaohs getting the hero's welcome when they arrived back in the town, all the flares and the big reception. So they're there on merit, obviously. But from a French Forest point of view, you're over there, I think, maybe six years. Is it like, is this considered the worst result ever by Hungarian champions in European club competition? Yeah, I think it is. I think it is, yeah. Um, you've got, again, just look at where Hungary is in the standings now in European football. They can say they've been a nation that's been on the rise for the last five years or so. And again, we'll say greatest of respect to Claxwick, they're aside from the Faroe Islands. I think I'd read somewhere about the goalkeeper. He'd previously been a center forward and taking time out of the game because it wasn't working for him. He got an SOS from the club, came back, and he's, he's now playing in goals, you know. It's those sort of stories that it kind of from the Ferenc Varro side it make it embarrassing but from the Claxvik side it's a complete kind of romanticism from their side and they absolutely deserve to win you know as much as the goals were were individual errors there was also good play from Claxvik to like press and Harry and force the mistakes and they they controlled the game against the side that spent almost 8 million euros this summer alone on the squad Uh, Claxvik's probably never spent (laughs) Any money in a transfer fee in the entire history. Yeah, you mentioned the league title there. That was their 34th league title. They won by six points. As you said, they had a, a much bigger lead at one point, but uh, fifth title in a row. Got through their group stage with uh, Monaco, Trabzonspor, Red Star, Belgrade, eventually beaten by uh, Leverkusen. So, but it sounds like you don't think Friday could get that far again in Europe uh, as the way they're gone. Not the way they're going, no. Um, I think they surprised a lot of people how well they did last year. Um, Churchill's big strength, I think, was being able to organise a team for Europe. And he had, in his midfield at that time, I don't know if you remember him from last year or from the World Cup, but Aisa Laiduni, the um, lad that they sold to Union Berlin after the World Cup. He was a quality player. He just used to dictate the midfield for them. And now that they've lost him and some of the other big names are just not performing and don't really want to be there anymore, they don't seem to be a very kind of cohesive unit anymore. And I think it's going to take a big effort for whoever comes in as a new manager to actually turn them around and get them back to where they were just a year ago. So he'll be a loss, but in terms of who's come, who's been added to the squad this season, who would be uh, one to look over? Yeah, uh, so they've already put a few players uh, the one that I'm most looking forward to see, and I'm not a Friday fan by any manner of means, but um, the one I'm most looking forward to seeing playing for them is a guy called Barnabas Farga, a uh, centre forward they'd signed from a team called Parks, who 
Uh, last season, Varga was the top goal scorer in the, the NB1. They recently made his debut for the national team. He's a really exciting player. Um, kind of traditional centre-forward that leads the line very well, holds the ball up well, moves into the channels and an absolutely deadly finisher when he's on uh, when he's given the service, which he wasn't in midweek. But yeah, he, he's a right top good player. Um, they've also just re-signed a guy called Christian Ramirez. Um, he's a Colombian. I think they had him maybe five, six years ago. Sold him to Krasnodar. They've bought him back. He's a he's a left back, but kind of really attacking, defensive player. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a few other names. I mean, I'd throw out two midfielders that they've signed: a guy called um, Peter Vara and Mohamed Abu Fani, who they'd signed from Maccabi Haifa. Uh, they're two can really solid number sixes, but also in, in terms of Barat, he's a quite a creative-minded player as well. So on paper, they've signed some really good players, or certainly really good players for the Hungarian league so far. And I know it's early days in the season, but just so far they haven't clicked at all. Yeah, there's still a big mix of nationalities there in the squad. African, a uh, couple of Af- or African players, a couple of South American strikers. Is is Ryan Mee, their Moroccan international, he's been top goal scorer the last two seasons. Is he still one to watch? He he is and he isn't. You know, he's he's now one of those players that's really blowing hot and cold at the moment. I think it's because he's itching for a move away. Um in the big games, that's when he tends to turn up. Uh, and he is he is still, when he wants to be, still a really good centre-forward. Uh, as you unfortunately found out last season, I think he scored a couple in the game over here. Uh, he's, yeah, he's just, he is, when he's on his game, still a top striker. But for the last six months or so, I think he's had a few injuries. And then he's just really looked disinterested when he's played. So who knows with him at the moment? And we probably discussed it last year, but who actually makes them tick in midfield, let's say? Yeah, so that is now their, their, um, the area that's... I'll start that one again. That is probably the area that's of most difficulty to say who's going to make them tick now. Because it was Laiduni, and he was the guy who would just sit in the... as a number six slash number eight in the midfield and dictate the play. And now the two lads that they've got in there are the two that played... Uh, against Klaxvik, that's um, Fanny and Borath. They're both more kind of defensive-minded, solid midfield players. And then ahead of them, what they rely on is more kind of raw physical attributes rather than players that have got great technical ability. Uh, And this has been probably the biggest uh, bone of contention, we'll say, from the Friday fans is that they want to see more creative players and the midfield players that make things tick and happen, rather than what seemed to happen quite a lot in the domestic game was if they couldn't outperform a team, they would end up winning the game just because they were physically and stronger and more athletically fitter than the opposition. So in that respect, it's actually um, it's a really tough one to answer to who's the guy that makes them tick because they don't really have that player. Maybe it's Zachariasen, He's a Norwegian that plays for them. He's probably the most creative um, of the midfield of that kind of three that will play behind Varga. 
But again, he's also quite a, a tall guy who relies on his physical attributes more than anything else. Yeah, last time we met, uh, Freddy had a couple of league games under the belt, but uh, the league doesn't kick off till August 5th, so we've only pre-season friendlies and uh, the Champions League tie, which we've already discussed. But And I always ask, what style of play and formation our opponents play? But in this case, an unusual situation, uh, Cherchesov, the former uh, Russian international coach, is gone after two years. Uh, so who is in charge this week and what do you know about him? Right, so um, the guy that's in charge at the moment is his name is Mati Chaba. Um, I don't know a huge uh, amount about him, to be perfectly honest with you. He's, uh, I think, he's currently the coach of the Ferencvaros second team, so that's his uh, kind of bread and butter, and he's just in his caretaker at the moment. Previously, he'd been assistant at Friday. He's done assistant manager at Parks as well um, but I don't really think he's ever had much experience as being an outright manager in his own right so I don't really know too much about him um, what I would suspect is that Freddie do like a bit of consistency in, in who they appoint or the style of manager so I would suspect that he'll come in and stick with the, the 4-2-3-1 or a 4-3-3 variant um, similar to Churchesov but actually, in terms of his kind of managerial experience, I think he's about 55, 56 years of age, but he doesn't really have the experience of leading a team in his own right. Uh, what about their sporting director, their uh, Steve Mc McPhail equivalent, who uh, last year said Robbers play a brand of unpleasant and British-style football. Is he still there, and is, has he made any further stupid comments? Uh, yeah, that's uh, Tamás Heinal, I think, uh, is uh, the sporting director, and I got the pronunciation right. And yeah, he's still around. Um, although, for how much longer, who knows? Because he's another one that's um, really not popular. His main responsibility is the signing and selling of players. It's the trading the players. And Freddie's made some ridiculous signings in the last few years. Players that have come in for big money and made very little to any impact at all in the first team so his record is completely hit and miss he's not exactly a, another popular man amongst his support and I think this time he's he's keeping his counsel, he's staying quite quiet as to what's going on behind the scenes probably fearing for his own job at the moment, it's uh, it's just their, it's their social media team you need to watch out for, for the silly comments tightening themselves, is making it through to the next round before they've even played Claxvik, so yeah, I think um, I think we're going to see a more reserved Ferenc Varos this time around. There'll, there'll be no daft comments. <laughs> uh, I don't need to ask what uh, Rowers fans can expect from the city of Budapest because we were we were there last year. At least uh, a number of us were. Um, but what did you think of Rowers last year? I mean, there was the heavy defeat in the first leg, obviously, but uh, more than respectable in the second leg in Dublin. Rowers played quite well. One with a late Andy Lyons goal. He's since moved to Blackpool. Uh, you could argue the tie was over, but from our point of view, it was a nice, nice to maintain our hundred percent home record in qualifiers. We actually won all four in Dublin. Uh, did Robert show you something that night that maybe if we cut out the defensive errors, we're not a million miles off the Hungarians, or do you still think it's a bit, bit of a mismatch? Uh, I would still say if you look at the game on paper. Ferencvaros should be the strongest team and should win the, the tie. 
but as uh, last week showed, you know, we don't play football on paper and anything can happen. Trying to think back to the game from last year, I think it was a lot of, as you said, individual errors that cost Rovers big time. I think as well, you've got to factor in the fact you're probably going to be playing in 30 to 35 degree heat, potentially, which the mm. Rovers players are not going to be used to. And that, that will play a part. But going back in the comments from the sporting director of Friday from before, I think that's uh, it's kind of outrageous in a way. I don't I don't think Rovers play, how is it you described it, as that typical British-British game? I don't think that's the style that you play at all. I think, I think Rovers are a team that wants to try and play football, but you've got obvious strengths. And the game in Ireland and in the UK just happens to be more physical than it is in, in Hungary. So, yeah, I think if you can cut out your um, cut out the, those kind of individual errors that you, you spoke about, again, not being totally familiar with a lot of the players within the Rovers squad, I must admit, I would say, though, that given the state that Ferenc Varos is in, you stand a decent chance. Because if you can come out here and, and just try and control the game a little bit more and be a wee bit more composed... The crowd here will turn on them if it's not going their way within the first 20 minutes, I would imagine. Um, and any sort of result that you can take back to Dublin gives you a chance. Um, and in that second game, yeah, fair enough. There was a big deficit to overcome. But it was a very even game, second time around. And I think Ferenc Varos still, you know, they didn't play to not win. <laughs> you know what I mean? They didn't want to lose that game. Um, but Rovers showed that actually on a, on the day they can they can give Ferenc Varos a game. And looking at the goals that the Pharaohs scored, what would you advise Stephen Bradley to do to exploit similar weaknesses? So press them, press them hard and press them high if you can. Not a lot of teams do that um, in Hungary. What they tend to do is just sit back and sit deep. And this is where Ferenc Varos eventually just wear teams down over here. Because they might not have a, a proper playmaker, but as I said before, it's that kind of... They just become too physically strong for teams and wear them down. But if you can actually get at them, um, they're a beatable team. I'd advise go and watch, if you <laughs> if you can... Find videos of a team called Cage Commit. They finished second in the league here and just go and watch how they play them. Because they pressed and they they're a good footballing team. They keep the ball on the ground and they'll pass it around. But they press the fullbacks. Um Ferenc Varos like to push the fullbacks up. So if you can press them when the ball, there's then space in behind. So that's where I think you can get a lot of joy. Just if you can try and press and get in behind. Um and I don't really rate the centre backs. Friday. Sammy May is really good if he's playing, but the others can be very hit or miss. So I think that's where you go. If you can try and press and win the ball high up the field, you stand a decent chance. And finally, of course, the question uh, prediction. Oh, see, I was waiting for this one, but I didn't want to have to answer. Um, this is the one Head says Ferenc Varos will go through over the two games. I think they will be too strong here and they've got the benefit of the home game first. So I think they'll go through. But Hart would actually prefer to see Rovers go through because, as I said before, I've got no real love for Friday. So, yeah. Um, that said, living here for the sake of the game in Hungary, 
let's let's uh, I will say I think Ferenc Varos will be too strong in the end. Right, Kevin. Uh, fantastic insight again for the second year in a row. So uh, thanks, many for joining us. Yeah, no problem. Thanks very much for having me again. So excellent stuff from the resident Scotsman in Budapest. Um, I love his hatred for the club. I love him knocking the centre halves. I'm very, <laughs> very happy with this man. He's a cool bloke. I think he's given us some ideas there. Brilliant. Watch this team that came second place yeah. because they danced all over them a couple of times. Yes, I'll have that. Why not? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, nobody's expecting Brazier to rip up his, his principles and his formations and all that, but try what works against them. Try, try and exploit a weakness because it's a big ask beating this team to beat his 4-0 last year. Is it a free shot? I think so. That's it. A free shot. Go at them and let's see what happens. Bring a good result back to Talat. Anything can happen in Talat. But it's weird. If the Pharaohs had lost... We wouldn't have been calling that a free shot. We would have been expected, expected to win. Yeah, <laughs> mad how the football brain works. Isn't we'll it? talk about that result in the, in the wild. Yeah, but, yeah. We'll talk about um, if we progress, prof. Second qualifying round, we play the winners of Hamron Spartans of Malta and Dynamo Tbilisi of Georgia in the UEFA Conference League third qualifying round. Then we get through that one, we're into a playoff. So there's still yeah. a lot of games to play, a lot of football. So um, Malta or Georgia, we're going to. Um, I just quick note on Kevin actually he off off air he was surprised that our attendances are actually bigger than Ferenc Faris because they're what? like they're like averaging 3,000 now for bigger games they'll get more but like our like are you our attendances are better like, have they like, not got like a massive stadium yeah. and a big fa- fan base well, he's, he's talking about Hungarian football in general but how oh, the averages over the course of the league and whatever maybe speaking about the, the overall league average but um, yeah I, I was telling them yeah we're getting 7,000 most weeks not Mondays but yeah uh, he was also impressed by our young lads in the Euro 17s like he actually name checked uh, Raj no way and because that was held it was held in Hungary wasn't it the 17s championship and uh, again I thanked him last year but again Remember last year, I asked about eight different people from Hungary to go on that podcast. And for whatever reason, <laughs> I couldn't get any of them to come on. How did you come and across him, actually? He bailed me out in the last second. He was recommended by one of the people who turned me down. And uh, now he's a great man. Wow, he was super. He was brilliant. So, Prof, unfortunately, we got to talk about Breda Blick. Um... So, yeah, we lost to Breedablik in Copa Vog Svalor in Iceland. 3-1 in aggregate in the first qualifying round of the Champions League. So, might as well talk about the trip. First of all, Prof, hit me. How was it? Well, a little bit more intimate than usual. Well, we talk about everything except the game. That's probably a good approach here. Well, yeah, this so is getting scammed. We don't need to. <laughs> need to well, I, uh, I did a, a connecting flight, something I almost never do. Well, I'm I, surprised. I went through Glasgow. And there were a few people on that flight already. Neil Walsh was on it. So uh, me and Neil got the bus from the airport when we landed in Reykjavik. And Dave Downey also joined us because he had a direct flight. Uh, more on Dave hijinks later. Um, so about 100 travelled. Neil is also from the mythical land he of Kimmage. He's moved now. He's gone, isn't he? Yeah, I think he's in Tallinn now. Um, so we had... Yeah, people... Well, before I got there, because those people arrived on the Sunday, they like Dan Fulham, Maloney, Ryan Legrew, like they did the tour on the Sunday, which is a, a full day thing. 
and <laughs> the, the quote of that one was the horses uh, like after a full day of checking out the landscapes and the scenery and everything Iceland has to offer then at the end just 10 minutes here's some horses and Maloney's like fucking horses <laughs> see horses and body <laughs> yeah that's what I've been waiting <laughs> to see them actually um, but, uh, was there not a, a great quote from him he made a joke oh that was a good one we'll come back to it well, obviously, the talking point was the volcano, and coming back because I was coming back in the middle of the night because my flight my flight was six a.m. on the the Wednesday, so it was it, it helped. It looked a bit better, I suppose, when it was darkish. Like yeah. it's never really dark, but so I'm just getting the bus to the airport. And I can see the volcano just like bubbling, and from the distance. This is after you watched it for from, two hours on the day. Yeah, from a safe distance. <laughs> That was the funny thing. There was actually a volcano channel, pretty much. So you were delighted. You were like, oh, I can't wait for this part. <laughs> I turned on the TV. I said, okay, some... Eventually, a news reporter just going to come in and just say, right, that's enough of that. Let's let's talk about it. Here's the weather. It's like, no, no, it was just... Just the volcano. Bubbling away. 24-7. And the people were watching it in pubs. <laughs> yeah, it's like the omnibus. The volcano yeah. omnibus. But, um, yeah. Um, an Australian woman on the bus home with me actually... She actually hiked the volcano. Now, how close she got to it, I don't know, because it was closed off. When it got serious, it was closed off. So I don't know how close no. she could possibly get to it. Once again, that falls mm. into the bracket of things that you just don't do. Yeah. Unnecessary danger, shark tanks, stuff like that. No. I'm going to just yeah. have a beer on the boat or sit in the pub and watch the volcano channel. You can go, you can hike it if you want. Tell me how you get on. <laughs> You're not evaporated. Yeah, I was reminded of the quote from Robbie Gaffney who was quoting Charlie and Nicholas in the airport. It's like, like landing on the moon. You just see, see it all the craters everywhere. Uh, we had robbers, staff and officials flying around scooters. Well, just one. I kept seeing the same official on a scooter over and over again everywhere I went. Um, oh, Dave, down. No drop kicks, no? No, no drop kicks. Remember before we had Dave on, uh, we mentioned his cat. It was called Pigo. Uh, it was pointed out to him that Matthew Eustace has a dog named Gary Paw. I like that. <laughs> it's good, isn't it? That is brilliant. Gary Paw. Yeah. And I, was, I said I was sharing with McDerry and that was that was a grand, uh, grand little apartment. But the lads were not impressed with their arrangements. They no? Was, they was comparing it to a prison. So <laughs> the window of the apartment goes out into a corridor. <laughs> So you can, and it's a blatant fake background as well. It's like a background of like an outside view. So it's a wall, but they put like a little picture to make it look picturesque. <laughs> a window into a corridor. Uh, it was puffin season. Um, I didn't get to see the puffins myself. I did search things to do, and now my Google on my phone and internet is just riddled with Iceland tourist activities. Yeah, it's, crazy, it's been a week it? later, but uh, I did walk around on. On the Monday, checked out some of the the famous things. Uh, the Lebowski Bar, checked that one out. That was cool. You were there last time, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, it yeah, was yeah. pretty cool. The White Russians mm. and... Did you get to the Penis Museum, Puff? I actually walked by it. Um, but I didn't go inside. I, I was... Quite, shafted. Didn't quite break. I was shafted. Were. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I think I got to the pub about seven, but kind of... There was a few people there, but things didn't really start getting lively until... 
maybe nine o'clock and a lot of hoops started arriving. Those uh, are, a lot of them were at the Starland game, were they? You mean Roberts fans? Yeah, was that on the there? Tuesday? A couple of fans kind of started arriving over at the Monday. Oh, just the Monday. On so the Monday, yeah. yeah. Um, I accidentally started a chant. This was hilarious. Like I, I've never started a chant, like, probably ever. Like, I don't think I've ever heard you scream. Never mind no, but, that. like, I've I've chanted jokingly things like that, but I've never actually chanted something, and then it catches on like wildfire. But I just jokingly said the Bowes room was bare. Like, as, as quiet as I just said it there, I said, oh, the Bowes room was bare. And I swear to God, the next thing, 40 people were singing the next line. I was like, what the fuck just happened? Brilliant. It was amazing. Brilliant song as well. Yeah, yeah one fella there, uh, forgive me, I'm still learning some people's names, but he, he actually booked Iceland after we lost the first leg. He's, he said he, found, he finds it more interesting when we're up against it, rather than something like Malda where we were three up. So that was his whole approach. Yeah, I suppose it's there's more to it. There's more at stake. Um, the whole feeling of being there is a little bit more intense, isn't it? Mm, because when we we were all, it was party time in Malta. We were, we were like we were training up. It was it was the crack, but where you're going with something to play for, it's a little bit more intense. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, I get that. Um. Yeah, the next day, well, first of all, goal was the wrong choice. My God. My <laughs> it's a bad, yeah. God. Really? Rat poison. Is this because you woke up with a hangover now? Don't be blaming the hangover. I'm blaming bro. the goal, right? Uh, I couldn't I couldn't move until bleeding midday. And <laughs> I headed out a couple of hours later. And McDara had already been out, come back and been to four museums. And I was like, geez, the things you can accomplish. Yeah, when you, when you don't drink. When you don't drink, yeah. Um, there was no singing of Bjork. Remember Dan Fulham leading the way that, uh, <laughs> against Starnan six years ago. And I said that to him and he said, yeah, if we take the lead in the game, we should sing. Oh, it's so, so quiet over there. <laughs> it would have been good, but it never happened. So we went into our, our sort of European mono stand or the, the Icelandic uh, Martin Stadium with the mm. running track. I was cool to see these weird, quirky, new European stadiums that you would otherwise never visit. So yeah, I like that part of it. Definitely agree with you there. So yeah, 100 of us were uh, in the stadium. And just a quick couple of notes before we go in. We have the breed of a boss. Uh, he had picked out Rory Gaffney as a danger man. He said he's one of the best we faced in all of our, all of our games in Europe. I presume he's going back a couple of years there. Mm-hmm. Really. And how many times was this pointed out in the weeks leading up and on the day that since this was introduced in 2018, the preliminary round, no team had ever gone on to win the first qualifying round. <laughs> even the sweeper on yes, Twitter. James Lowe was very, very oh vocal in this. Yes, even the sweeper on Twitter on the day was like, no club has ever done this. It's like, yeah, thanks. Thanks. Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> So I had on my 1996 Tenens Lager shirt gear. Oh yes, you go. Yes, oh, yeah, yeah. Did, it was. Yeah. It made its that. debut. So the game itself, um, we started it's, very well. Yeah, we were 30 seconds in. Richie Tell one on one. Um, it's it just they they boxed clever and they were they were better than a 16 minute. They scored. Ugh, they had, they had a lot of chances, man. 16 minute, they just ran at us. Broke on the right, Pico was dusted. No legs. 
And was this the finish. this was the number fourteen, wasn't it? Yeah, he he caused mayhem in the whole game. He was very very good. Yeah, he was good. And one nil, and then I can't see us coming back from that. To be honest, well, it's the hope that kills you. And the first ten minutes did give me hope. So I thought, okay, we came out of blocks firing like in the first ten minutes. It was, it was like, right. They're up for this. At least they're up for it. But and I remember saying to some beforehand, how many times has it happened? European away, the early goal kills you, and it deflates the crowd. And sure enough, I took sixteen minutes. So yeah. that was a blow. Um, I tried to console myself with beer again, but the beer was awful. Like really? like Maloney said, it nearly made him sick, and I thought that's surely an exaggeration. Then I had it. I was like, no, he was right. Was it that bad? It was it cold. Was vomiting juice. Warm. <sighs> that bad. Warm. Oh, yeah. no. Listen, I'll drink out once it's cold. <laughs> but warm beer. How much you're much we paying in the ground for the point? Uh, I just I stopped checking it. I was, I was tapping the card. I'm <laughs> don't just even like, look at the transaction. I was just like, oh, I know. I'm paying a fortune for everything here. I uh, only had the second one because it was free. So, hat tip to Dave Downey there. Part-time volunteer yeah. for the Bradabic women's team, point pullers. So, 2-0 down, 58th minute gear. Um, short corner routine, was it? Short corner routine and very, very amateur stuff from Rovers defensive, defensively. They they had a little routine as well in the fourth game, Metalla, where they would flick it and for an outswinger, for a right footer on the left-hand side. And then... Um, more, more. It wasn't much power in it. More so, a well struck cross come shot. Maybe Leon should have saved it, possibly off his line, and it was a good goal. But is it a good goal if it's half? Yeah, across? I mean, yeah. I'm, we were looking at it. I was just thinking, oh. when it went in, you're like, ah, oh. you know, you think you should have saved it. Yeah, like we were kind of behind it, so just coast. Just looked like it? a curling cross that went in. Wasn't even much curl on it. It was more mm. of a knuckle ball yeah, type shot. Yeah. So listen. Second goal goes in, 100% dead in the water. Um, historic moment though, VAR awarded penalty. Yes. If nothing else, we came out of there and we got a VAR decision. Um, crazy really when you think about it. I mean, all the times <laughs> that we were slagging VAR, talking about we'd never have it. And we actually got a penalty awarded. Blatant one, handball, Harlem Globetrotter stuff. So um, yeah, that's it. Don't, don't, didn't really do, do much anything else. Well, just Graham Burke converted um, his eighth European goal. Um, correction to my stats, like actually, I said I said he was on six, but he was actually on seven, so that's eight. And he nearly chipped the keeper from the halfway line soon afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Um, Paul's in fairness, like we're being critical from the second goal. He made some excellent saves, particularly a two-one with his feet. Yeah, that was a brilliant save. Uh, he made two or three very good saves in the game. Um. So yeah, like t- last ten minutes, we were good. When we were kind of throwing everything at us, uh, Kenny and Gaffney had chances. Mm. So we were decent, but I mean, first and first ten minutes and last ten minutes, but just everything in between. I don't understand what our build of play is. I don't <laughs> understand what the the idea is to get forward and create openings. Talk I was giving the triangles. Prof. I'm talking about the triangles, Gary. Just a lot of triangles involving Sean Cavanagh out on the left on the halfway line. I don't know at what point the plan is to get the ball forward or to get someone in behind. Where is it going? What is it? I don't know. And, and it just went on and on yeah. and on. It was. It was poor. And just put a dampener on the whole mm. week, really. So, honest assessment from Brad's or anyway. Um, same we didn't do enough over two legs to qualify and 
it was honest. It's it's right. Mm-hmm. It didn't work. And uh, Dan McDonald, some bad luck with injuries. You've got to expect much more from Shamrock Rovers in Europe. Since becoming champs, they've delivered some very good 90 minutes displays. Haven't been a decent team in a two-legged toy and been outplayed by champions of Estonia and Iceland. So him putting the boot in. Um, elements of truth to it. But... I mean, people might say that those games in Tala were dead rubbers, the Ferenc Varos 1-0 and a couple of other ones, but they're still wins. Possibly has an mm. element of truth over the two-legged quote. Um, but feels like another dig, like he ultimately was wrong last season when he said that we had an agent squad and we're mm-hmm. pretty much falling apart. So I would take it with a pinch of salt. I'm not He's- sure of his agenda here. He's talking about since uh, becoming champions, so 2020, our first game as champions was 2021 at home, the Slovan, which was a very good 90 minutes, which was just too little too late in the end, so that's why he's talking about the 90 minutes, but um, there's a quote here from Tommy Tormey. Yeah, TT. Um, he said, given the way Norwegian teams have always beaten LOI teams, including Kenny's Dundalk in recent decades, that brand result wasn't given enough credit at the time, but there's a serious lack of two leg results since. Yeah, he The brand result was probably Brazier's best European win because they were considered better than us. And but this squad was in a different stage of their careers back then in twenty nineteen. Gary O'Neill was only making his debut, I think, signed, yeah. in that game. It was Jack Burns. Possibly his first goal was. It was his first yeah. goal, yeah. It was Jack Burns' first season. It's four years later for a lot of these players now. So, it was our best result. There is a lack of them since, alright. Um, but, having said that, the quote unquote Brazzer has a poor record in Europe merchants were back again, which yeah. I'm not buying at all. No. Because he has 12 wins. Level with Pat um, Fenlon and Stephen Kenny. That's all time. There's so no you, other way of like. Listen, what you do here is you kill them with facts. Let's talk facts. Don't yeah. mind anything else. Top trying to gloss over it. Let's talk facts, and then the conversation is over. And Same if you want, if you want to tell me, okay, a lot of them are just single wins. Well, group stage football. Stephen Kenny won. Michael Neal won. Stephen Bradley won. How is Brazzer not holding up against people he has the exact same record against? Literally. It's a once again it's a smear. It's it's ultimately what it is. Shouts of spoofer from a three time in a row league winning manager and an FAI Cup in twenty nineteen. What like why? I don't get it. Where is it coming from? Because we're top of the league at the minute, fair enough, it's a slight rut. Bit of an injury crisis. Well, it's more than a slight rut. It's, and we're not, it's, it's quite a rut. Shut up, bro. <laughs> but you know where I'm coming from. It's the, like the it's any slight weakness when it comes to Rovers. Any time we're down slightly, people will dance all over us and kick us. Just to keep us down. But um, Some people have been, what's the phrase? Waiting in the grass. Oh, waiting in the long grass. Waiting in the long grass yeah. to say, ha, I told you I was right about Brazzer. Four years, three league <laughs> yeah, titles yeah. later. I done told you. That tweet was loaded up in their drafts. <laughs> yeah. Just waiting to fire it out. Um, um, final notes on Eisenger. Um We have Arla Stanford coming back through security in Dublin Airport. So this is Emma Wheatley doing the quotes here. 
Uh, immigration to Dublin Airport. Where are you flying in from, Orla? Iceland. Immigration to Dublin Airport. Did you have a wonderful time? Orla. No, we got dumped out of the Champions League. Mm-hmm. Immigration. Too much information. <laughs> <laughs> well, you asked. You did ask. So the odds going into the game were Bradenblick 1-6. to six, So the bookies were correct. Wow. And the volcano erupting being the best chance of us getting through was also correct. <laughs> uh, but it didn't erupt. Yeah. So then we were out of Europe, Gare. Yep, that's um, it. On a Tuesday night in Iceland. Yeah, thanks for that, Prof. Other Euro results. Ferenc Varos shocked. Nil all in the Faroes. And then it went back to Budapest. And I thought it would have been a whitewash. I thought it was going to be a hammering. But Klaxvik were 3-0 up at halftime. Was it halftime? It was, Either way, it was, it was 2 or 3 well, Speaking of odds, they were 14-1 to 1 to win that. 14-1 to 1 to win the game. And some dodgy goalkeeping as well. And uh, the gaffer was sacked following this result. So, Prof, yeah. the dreaded manager, new manager syndrome. <laughs> Are we going to encounter the new manager? Are they going to play from? He's got a week to put his ethos and his imprint on the team. I'm hoping that we can bounce up against them and get some sort of result, bring it back to but It depends on if they play for this new gaffer or not, or if they care enough. Well, he can't be any worse, can he? No, that's it. Um, given the reputation of fans over there, I'm surprised he wasn't beheaded rather than sacked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you were saying the Faroese gaffer was a championship manager of Wonder Kid. Magne Jose. Do you remember him? I don't. It might have been my foil at home, but he <laughs> turned into a... Absolute legend of the game in my foil, <laughs> Magne Jose. When I saw um, it, I was like, Why do I know that? And then I was like, Championship manager. I mentioned in the interview the reaction in the Fair Islands capital, uh, greeting the team. But the the Claxvik Twitter admin during the game was just loving life. Did you see any of that stuff? It's like, Is this real life? Yes. And he goes, Sorry, I can't make a graphic. This is unreal. What? What is going on? Three <laughs> um, 0 was two thousand to one. So, like, just two thousand to one. I don't know how accurate that is. No one better than that. I've, that's what someone said. Um, just to put it into perspective, all anyone was talking about after the game, we came home, was, "Are you going to the Pharaohs?" I didn't hear the word "hungry" mentioned once. It was a foregone conclusion the way people were talking. It was incredible. It's Possibly got, rightly so, though. It's got to be one of the most remarkable European results yeah. in a while. Um, but yeah, there you go. Um, in other results, Pat's out. Gare, yeah, with possi- Pat's out in a mental game of football. The funniest on goal I've ever seen. Oh my God. I watched this game. I think I've got a couple of us watched it. And um, Pat's just imploded. They were all over the shop. They went down to 10 men we were talking about not being able to be 10 men we couldn't do it against Dundalk but um, they went down to 10 men quite early and they just kind of ran ragged uh, Mustafa Haji prof remember this man Moroccan international do, yes, Aston yes, Villa Yusef yes. um, Chipo there's another one as well he played for Coventry and this is the man who scored the goals up front Haji there was Van Lindbergh as well no Wikipedia page prof so they didn't know what was coming at them. But Haji is Mustafa's son. Haji up front. Ah, yes. So there you go for F91 do the lounge. But uh, they were they were good. They were good. They were getting that pats down. The, Pats down. were a 2-1 up at one stage. Yeah. 
<laughs> out to ten. It was it was a great game. It was it was a great watch. But um yeah, they fell apart and Dundalk through against the Magpies as well and Derry went through as well. So um some tricky yeah. toys, I think Dundalk are in Iceland. I'm not sure who Derry got. Dundalk on the Iceland, but so ne- Prof Derry uh, beat a team for the Faroe Islands, yeah. and there was nearly an international incident with the, the yeah. Northern Ireland flag being raised. I think a Derry fan went up and took it down. Was it a Derry fan? They so, so they said. So Twitter said. International incident. Yeah. yeah. So Prof, next up, well, Gary, we also have uh, we got Glenn Torren losing fourteen three on penals. Yeah, one of our which records is gone. Takes our record from uh Ilves what was theirs? Twelve eleven. Twelve eleven, yeah. Uh this includes Reese Marshall by the way, he's he's uh, out there. He was um, involved in that other penalty shootout as well for Erwin, wasn't he? Was he involved in that he must Ilves have, penalty shootout? I don't know if he took one, but he was in the squad. Yeah. Um and we also have a team who finished seventh in the Welsh League. Harford West, Harford Forward West, was it? Knocked out a North Macedonian club out of Europe. I love, Shkendia. I love these mad results. Yeah, madness. Now that's literally the most part-time team you'll ever see play mm. in any European competition. And did we mention this week or last week that Bradebick were a part-time club? Mm. Are they? They are. How part-time? I think that was one of the comments in um, RTE, was it? You, you Watching the game, you can't tell who's full-time, who's part-time. Einarsson, anyway, that's who I want to sign. Give us that number eight. He's the Icelandic McAnef. He was absolutely superb every game. Um, yeah, Prof, we're moving on. We're going to the quiz. It's next up. We have Leezer. We've Liam. It's Quifties. Welcome back to Questions from the East End, the podcast quiz. I'm Harry Moore, your quiz master for the last 16, and our next matchup is between Lee Grace and Lean Bird. So welcome, lads. Hey, Harry. So here are the rules for the quiz. The first player to get five correct answers wins and advances into the quarterfinals. I'll take turns asking you questions, switching between football and general knowledge, and you have 20 seconds to respond. If your answer is wrong, then your opponent is allowed to steal. So the prof here, as usual, to keep score. So if neither Lee nor Liam can reach five points after we've gone through our entire pool of 20 questions, then whoever is ahead at the time is declared the winner. If it's somehow still a draw at the end, I have a question here for you, which will be used as a tiebreaker. It also determines who gets to go first, which could be important, like a coin toss in a penalty shootout. So here's your tiebreaker question. Whoever gets it right, or whoever is the closest to the number, goes first. So Lee, you'll tell us the answer. You'll tell us your answer. Then Liam will hear yours. So you ready for the question? Yeah. Yep. What is the population of Iceland according to the 2022 census? Oh. Um. I go first, do I? Yeah, you go first. God, you're a bad guy. Um, 1.5 million. Hey, Liam. I was going to go 2.1. Um, Lee, you are incorrect, but you're the closer to the answer. It is 387,000. Ah, what? I know. Yeah. I, I can do. <laughs> 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 mm-hmm. 
Okay, so Lee, you're going to start as you were the closest. So the yeah. first question is, which team finished third in last year's League of Ireland Premier Division? Um, Dundalk. That is correct. So 1-0 Lee. Lovely. So, Liam, which country is Zagreb the capital of? Croatia. That is correct. I don't guess. Okay. Liam, or oh, sorry, Lee. Skin is the largest organ on the human body. What is the second largest? Um, brain. Um, no, it's lean now, so you, you have a chance to steal here. Intestines? Sorry? Intestines? No, that is incorrect. It is liver. Uh, I was going to say that. Okay, so who was that question for? Liam or Lee, yeah. yeah so no. over to Liam. Um, Sligo striker Max Mata hails from which country? Not got a clue. Latvia? I don't have a clue. No. It's, uh, oh, yes. Um, yep, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Steal that, can I? <laughs> yep, steal in there, Lee. Uh, it's New Zealand. In, that is correct, sorry. Yeah, I think they have a few players from over there. Yeah. Okay, next question. What instrument is used to see stars? Microscope. Um. No. Never mind. No. Feel it. Go to the telescope. Ah, correct. <laughs> okay. Do you have the red stuff like that as well? Oh, I just didn't think. <laughs> uh, okay. Um. Where will? The 23-24 UEFA Champions League final take place. This is for um, Liam, isn't it? Liam, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Is that your country? Uh, stadium, please. Not got a clue. Nah. Okay, Lee, chance to... Make up for the last one. Is it the Stade de France? Incorrect. It's Wembley Stadium. Is it? Yep. Wembley in England. So, okay. Next question is for Lee. Name the last Irish man to play in a Champions League final. Last Irish man? Yep. So, just the player. Um... John O'Shea. That is correct. From Man United in 2008. Um, okay. Now, Liam what does the abbreviation SMH stand for? So much hate. Sorry? So much hate. No, Liam. Or sorry, Lee. 
SMH. Yep. Ah, having a clue, I can't even guess. Okay, it's shake my head. <clears throat> okay, so we're back over. So we're with you now, Lee. What is the square root of one hundred and forty-four? Maths is not my strong point. <laughs> Jesus. Um, where it was what, 144? Yeah. Um, 24. Incorrect. Liam? 17. No, it's 12. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, hopeless. Okay, Liam, this is for you. You might notice this is a Scottish one. Name is the this last. For Liam? Scot yeah, this is for Liam. Sorry, yeah. Um, name the last Scottish club outside the old firm to win the league. To win the league. Aberdeen. Correct. Yes. Do you think you can name what year it was? It doesn't count. It doesn't matter. But... Say nineteen seventy. Or something like that? No, nineteen eighty-five. But well, you did well to get the answer, so you've got a point there. Uh, next question. This is for Lee. Who has the most goals and assists in World Cup history? So just name the player. Um It's not the obvious one, is it? And say four seconds late. Who? Messi. That's correct. With <laughs> 13 goals and eight assists. I thought it was too obvious. Yeah. I would have thought the same. Right. Liam, um, next question. Who was James Bond immediately before Daniel Craig? I don't know, I've never ever watched that. <laughs> I think Lee, Lee's going to know this one. Oh, yeah, I don't, I don't think I do, it's the guess. Are you going to guess? There? No, I've not got a clue. Uh, right, my guess is Pierce Brosnan. Lee, you are correct. And that's 5-3 to Lee. So Lee wins 5-3. Okay, congrats Lee. You're into the quarterfinals along with Gary O'Neill. The first one was yesterday, so Lee, Liam, you're sadly knocked out. We did well to get here anyway. I hear done better than expected. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Liam. Um, it's not right. You've, you've I think it was the same scoreline as from yesterday, wasn't it? Is that 5-3? Yeah, it was a bit, bit closer yesterday. It was 5-4. Ah, uh, okay. Who did Gary beat yesterday? Sean Kavanagh. Oh, good match. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, but Lee, you are into the quarterfinals and Liam, unlucky, but um, best of luck on Friday, lads, okay? Cheers. Cheers, Harry. Thanks, Thanks a million. See you later, lads. Cheers, lads. Thank Cheers. You. So, Prof, we have Lee's our grace, true 5-3 win. Some tricky questions there, but Lee's gets through. I'm loving mm. the groans throughout this. <laughs> That's probably one of the best parts. Lee has always been very into this quiz over the years. Um, 
was like, he might go far, actually. He's a lot of gusto, hasn't he? Yeah. And I got the exclusive on the haircut there, because that was recorded maybe two or three weeks ago. Oh, yeah? I remember he popped up on Zoom. I was like, whoa. It's like, where's it gone, man? <laughs> Samson, keep it back, keep it back. Um, so there we have uh, Lee Grace advanced into the quarterfinals. So there's some tasty matchups coming up soon, but the, the one we're all anticipating is Gaffney versus Jack Bourne. You're going to have to do that from the physio room. <laughs> I know. Right, so we were beaten 1-0 with Dundalk in the FAI Cup. Um, a bit of a change of personnel. Right wing back, Hoare. Hoare did step overs at one stage and he actually he actually played really well. I remember you finding that out at the time. It was like, Sean Hoare did a step over. Yeah, it's like, he did well. So, um, unfortunately, we went out. But Alamanis returned in goal. Our cup keeper. Our cup keeper, yeah. Which you kept saying. Um, so, we drove to the game, Garrett. No cup snobs here at Tifties. No. Um, Although, to be honest, you... You forced me to go to this match. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, not sure if I would have gone on my own. We were in the Parsons um, Mobile. It's a shame that uh, Astros can't get waterlogged and the game wasn't called off, but we had to go. Um, we have a review here from Oriel Park. This was submitted on Google. Um, I'm going to get Gary to read it out. <laughs> we didn't see this one. You can review anything. I know, yeah. You can review like your house. I don't like, yeah, know. I was walking by it and the, the, the lilies weren't watered. You can literally review anything on Google. So, FC Pripyat hasn't got a patch on this place crumbling decor and they were shut because of a nuclear meltdown. Get your tetanus before you travel as you're likely to ping your leg on a vintage rustic seating bracket. That was installed around the same time that Sunderland won the FA Cup. The local lingo, the local lingo will make your ears bleed. And if you're into Hollywood before it was shooting black and white, this is for you. <laughs> that it's brilliant. That is so accurate. It's very apt. It's very apt. And um we'll talk about the game. Prof Rory Gaffney came off injured after four minutes and Johnny Kenny came on. When this happened, I just thought like we're 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 getting no luck here whatsoever. Gaffney, you're only bright spark in most games. Four minutes in. He four comes minutes. Off. And you're like <sighs> So you've so realistically, right? Jack, Ferruja, Gaffney, your spine. Your spine isn't available, all on the injury table. We covered this with McDara, how badly we've missed our pace yeah. at wing-back. We're also missing Jack Byrne. Think back to the start of the season, even though, yeah, we drew five out of six games. But everything was going through Jack. That was the way we played. Like, it's not our... Like, it can't be our fault. Like... I've nearly sure saw some people on Twitter. Twitter is a cesspit. Or X as they're I avoided it for two weeks, honestly. It's I just no people are somehow blaming the injuries on the football department and the recruitment. How can you how can you do that? They won't pass they won't let them sign if they if they fail a medical, I'm guessing. Are you talking about like birds and power? Yeah, like some of these guys are just like, Oh, why why are you why did you sign them? Because Bert was excellent for balls. And listen, we're all frustrated about that. That power keeps breaking down. When we signed Bert, we, we thought he would be a major player for us this season. Every time I see him, he has something that I like. He's tricky, he's fast, he's nimble. All four minutes of it. He was but actually probably one one of the fewer positives from He was. His, his appearance, was, his, his little cameo was good, but yeah. I don't I hate blaming the pitch. We'll talk about it in a while, but... We'll, we we'll go on to the chances. First of all, Johnny Kenny came on and a lovely bit of play and a very, very slick little overhead pass from Burke. And Johnny comes in, not a lob, 
just placed it over the keeper's head, did the right thing, hit the bar, then the bounce, honestly I've watched it a hundred times, probably should score, but the bounce doesn't do him any favours. It bounces high and awkward, the unnatural explosion of the rubber. Is he sort of jumping as if, he's jumping to head this in naturally as if it was a grass pitch. He anticipates and the flight. And up onto his head higher. Yes, now, exactly. Some people are listening to this and they're saying, shut up, yeah. because this is an absolute open goal miss. And it is. It's a horrendous miss. Yeah. But there's but the mitigating bell- factors here. But that's, that is a horrible bounce in that pitch. It is. It's ridiculous. So I want to sympathise. It happened throughout the game. Lee Grace doing what he usually does. Trying to trap a ball. And the extra little spin that adds their players well as well. And you're just thinking this. Like Pico. A couple of times he tried to trap it. And it's skidding. It's bouncing. The unnatural. Like even. I thought in fairness. I will say that. This is probably one of our better performances. Over the last shiteness. Oh, it was the much better. Games. It's the and, best performance. And he switched games. it up. He switched it up. We I still wouldn't call it good though. No, it was a better performance than all the rest of it. I but thought we it had was okay. Ch- we had enough chances to kill off a couple of games. But, but my beef is after the Kenny chance early in the second half. How many times did we actually test Shepard? Yeah, everything did, was straight Did we actually really, force yeah. him to make a good save in the last 40 minutes of that No, match? probably not. Probably not. But if we're going to talk about that, I, I felt that we switched it up and we did play better. So... Normally, we'd go through the middle. Gary O'Neill would set everything up. We're working it off. I thought we played out wide and we were hitting diagonal balls over to our fullbacks, which worked because they had pushed up slightly. Cavo got a lot of the ball. Hor was excellent at times. Hor was good, yeah. I felt like that's what we utilised a little bit more with less passing in the middle of the pitch because you have to deal with what's in front of you. A lot of frustrating offside as well. Yeah. Oh, don't don't get talking on the ref, man. Like, literally, at one stage... McCourt had Burke's jersey on him. It was like he was wearing it. Oh, this stage, one, yeah. Dragging out of each other. The goal itself, the corner, shouldn't have been a corner. That was an embarrassing decision. Like, it's right in front of the lineup. Honestly, we can see it. We're 40 feet behind the, the, the lineup. How can he not see that and call it? His job is to call what the ref can't see. The corner was a prime example. The back, Their backs are torn. There's a slight nick off the defender. Vision is perfect for the for the lino. He sees it and he doesn't call it. So I don't know. Does he not want to undermine the ref? Does he not want to actually raise his flag and make a decision? And then the ones he did make were very very poor as well as regarding offsides. Mm. So there was a lot of factors, but the goal from Muller cross come in. Kenny kind of snatches at a header, doesn't get enough purchase on it, and Muller just taps it in. And really, you know, and you know what? This like obviously we've we've spoken about how we're. Not playing well, except this game. Okay, we did played we played fairly well at times. But when when Gaffney did his thing in the home leg against Bradley, where he took the quick free kick, and it just gave the ball to them, and then as a result we fell from that. And I'm not really a pessimistic person, but when that happened, I thought they're gonna score from this free kick yeah. because of what just happened. When they won that corner that they shouldn't have, my first thought was. They're going to score from this corner. It's just the luck we have at the moment. Someone actually did. It was, I think it was Kieran Hendrick from the Pride Rings End. He goes, this is going to be a goal. Turn around. Fucking jinx. But, um, yeah, so the goal, Kenny could do a little bit better. I thought it was a kind of a, not half-arsed, but I just, 
sometimes you just want to grab Kenny and shake him and go, come on, you, you have it there. Like just You just need to get a bit more physical. So header doesn't get cleared and Muller just strokes it home. I think Manus possibly blindsided, couldn't see much. And they go one up after 16 minutes. So um, 31 minutes, though, it's a, a second yellow as well. And it was a second yellow because initially it looked harsh, but it was a blatant foul. He pulled him back when he was away. And heading towards the opposite goal. But this is, is very rarely given in the League of Ireland that early. Two yellows in a half an hour. Yeah, and that's a, that's a that's a conversation that we had, I think, in the stand. Is that, does time matter? It shouldn't. But there's always the show, if we get an early yellow, we'd be like, ah, ref, it's only 10 minutes in. You know that type of thing? But if you yeah. go up and you headbutt someone or you <laughs> drop kick them, they're not going to say it's five minutes in, ref. So, I wanna, once the whistle blows, a foul's a foul, I think. One thing, I, one thing I would say though is diving. I don't think you should be sent off uh, second yellow for a dive early in a match, which I I've mentioned this probably countless times. Okay. 2011 FAI Cup final. Shelburne and Sligo. Shelburne had a player sent off 36 minutes second yellow for diving. Yeah, I, and I, it wasn't I, even a dive by the way. But a foul's a foul, no. But but talking about fouls and talking about dives though. But but, but a, a dive warrants a yellow because you're trying to cheat. But you're making the call in an FBI Cup final in front of twenty thousand that he dived there half an hour into the cup final. It would have to be blatant. It wasn't. Then there we go. But so anyway, sometimes time does matter. Yeah, maybe so. But I think I agree with your point in general that if it's too blatant fouls, the time doesn't, yeah. doesn't matter. So you know, Doyle, Doyle Doyle's actually a good player He was sent off And I thought First of all I thought lovely But then I thought Bollocks I don't want to play Against 10 men up here They're going to Batten down the hatches They turned into a 4-3-2 What did I say to you O'Donnell will love this Yeah 4-3-1 one, 1 even And um, they had Banks of 3 in front They protected the back 4 very well But we reverted to Diagonal balls Into our full backs And it was working We were getting a bit of joy over We had Um Kenny had a one-on-one in the first half. Great save. Keeper got down low. Shepard was brilliant. You were saying Kenny five chances in total. Four in the first half. He had the, the lob, which didn't go in. The header, which is another chance. He had another header. Should have gotten target. And he had a one-on-one as well. There could have been another one. The one-on-one at the start of the second half as well, which did fall awkwardly, but still, it's... Brazier as it up. He said 21 shots to their two. Enough chances to win three games. Two shots they had? Yeah. So it is, it's very, very frustrating, but you can take positives from it and say it's been better than the previous games. And we did switch it up because we hadn't been working, but still out of cup, there's no excuses, we're out of cup. I know, I'm not really one for taking positives because it's knockout football against 10 men. I get it, I get it, but... It's final. It is, it's done, it's dusted and it's, we should there's have beaten. No, well, we'll get more points but next week. But it's better... Than the previous performances, and it goes back to us, which isn't difficult. Creating chances, <laughs> we didn't create any chances in the previous games. No, we, we should have scored a half full here. Realistically, no, I was. I'm encouraged by the chances we created and the bar. I think Lee Grace or Dan Cleary hit the bar in the second half, and then the the rebound header keeper tipped it over. I was looking at it. I was just like, man, this is nuts. This is nuts. Like so, half time. We'll move on to the second half now. Half time. I'm thinking, okay. I was confident going in because it was a good first half. We created a lot of chances. Like I said, Kenny had four in the first half alone. We should have put them to bed. And was it the Kenny header? The, the, Ken- the Kenny header. And yeah. No, Kenny header was in the first half as well. Oh, yeah. Kind of flash wide. 
Then the second half came in and um, we immediately on the front foot again. Kenny gets put in. There's one-on-one that we spoke about. Bounce kind of makes it a little bit awkward. From Puts him at an awkward angle. Keeper saves it again. Shepard was very good. And... Um, the fans. I don't think was there was there much abuse going in the direction of the of the players and the management. Um, when I looked down the front, it was I think it was about three fellows who were kind of standing up on the <laughs> barrier and giving abuse. Yeah, I wouldn't say the fans is in all of us. Yeah, but there was a bit of a, a lukewarm reaction post-match the odd few the odd few as a standard um, as well because I mean you're out of the cup some anger yeah some shouting. Lifted and all those sorts, that sort of rhetoric. Um, understandable. Fans are pissed off. Round the cup, first you could, round, ten men. Yeah, you could see um, Watts was trying to take and fill the jack roll with starting play from deep, and it just wasn't really clicking for him. Um, he picked up a lot of the ball in our half and advanced with it, and you could see he was trying to spray balls out wide, and then go back into those positions that Jack does. Didn't really happen from unfortunately. Our subs when, were post like Richie Tell came on eleven minutes to go. Well, a lot of people in the in the stands were calling him to come on earlier. Um, I felt the same. I, I felt he should have come on earlier. And when he did come on, he was out wide ish. Yeah, on the right side of the cloud. He was out on the right, yeah. But the whole, but the positive is is Nadge. Um, great little cameo, yeah. Everything he did was so intelligent, brilliant. First thing he did was absolutely dice. I think Robbie McCourt on the left hand side and he could have went with it again he passed it in straight away and then the defender cleared it but I think he just he kind of got a little bit nervous he's like oh my god I'm out there dicing this fella and now I'm true on goal <laughs> so he just crossed in but every little thing he did was an intelligent pass he split the defence twice with two gorgeous passes brilliant yeah. totally took us by surprise <laughs> I was looking at the passes and I was like that's brilliant I know the second one you're talking about, especially. It's kind of a slide rule. Yeah, it was. I was like, what? That was a thing of beauty. Oh my God, really no was. one expected it, but. Yeah. Unfortunately, we're out of cup prop and it's not good enough at the minute. Dundalk made subs as well, Gar. Uh, Abby Larkin's cousin came on for Dundalk. Oh, is that an actual thing? Yeah. Oh, I was wondering what the, the shouts were about. So, yeah. You're, you're sort of bemoaning our luck in our finishing. Also, some horrendous finishing. Yeah. Uh, involved as well um, somehow despite all this despite our depression and our the cause for clear outs and rebuilds. we need four rebuilds four or five new players and we've been figured out quote unquote we're still actually four points clear in this league four points clear in the top and we are missing Neil Ferrugia just writing these down just so I can get some clear in front of me face Trevor Clark. Jack Bourne, Alan Manis is just back. Um, just write else? down power anyway, because power. Just consider him out power. all the time. Bort. So the the spine of your team, Fruja nomination for Player of the Year so far. Clark was excellent in his first couple of games. Jack Bourne, probably one of his better seasons. Mm. I've probably seen him, and he's been absolutely superb up there with double figures and assists. Uh, Alan Manis is only coming back. We. Like I mean, Bort and Power as well. Never, we never really. You can't miss what you don't have. So Bort was never really featured. And you're forgetting Gaffney there, who probably won't make and, this and, game. And Rory Gaffney. So Rory Gaffney's playing. He's selling tape together. You know, he's like Lego. Like there are people don't do people know? Do they take these things into account? Do you know what I mean? Do they just actively think, okay, 
look at our injury list. Mm. But then you'll have some fans who will blame the injury list on the management. Well, what I would say is it felt like we coped with injuries better last year. Because, so. yeah, I, I, and another thing with that was as well, we coped better with them last year because it whatever the recruitment was slightly better, let's be honest. But Bort hasn't played. Poom, a lot left to be desired. He could probably... He could probably do a lot more, but we haven't got the explosiveness of Mandrew mm. or Andy Lions, Lions and yeah. these players that have left come and gone. There's scales. The, those players you're calling out there are difference makers. Difference they're, makers, they're winning yeah. games. So it's it's just not there this season as well. I'm adding this injury crisis as well. It's it's a rough patch. It's rough, prof. So if you look at last year, Jack Byrne was also missing at the start of a European campaign last year. People forget that. But Chris we McCann didn't miss the him. mantle, didn't he? We didn't miss him because Chris McCann stepped up. Mm, yep, exactly. Um, horrible, horrible stuff at the end of the game as well. Um, one of their players came straight over and gave it the big one, and was kissing the crest. And all. I think his own his own staff, backroom staff, marched him straight off. And Leon Pole straight out to him yeah, as well to defend the honour of Shamrock Rovers but a racist abuse incident Rovers statement Shamrock Rovers FC condemns the racist remarks made to our player and captain Roberto Lopez during a cup tie against Dundalk incident took place outside the ground as the squad were preparing to leave Oriel Park now this well, people have seen the video haven't they it's not acceptable in life um, in general in any way shape or form and it's sad it's a sad sad individual and a sad situation where people are still being racially abused so there's not much more we can say in it. I mean, personally I think it should probably go further. If you go to the UK, you'll have fellas getting bans from grounds and possibly criminal convictions. Go down that road, I think. He needs to hit him hard, set a precedent so that if you are caught doing this again, you will be hammered and you will be banned for life and a conviction on your name as well. There's no room for it in life. I'm all for that. Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent horrific stuff. And Pico handled himself brilliantly. And fair play for the players for backing them up as well. Lesser men, I mean, they would have went straight over and it could have been physical. Pico held himself back and his warden was perfect on it. He says, I don't mind taking the stick, but don't racially abuse me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, big shout out to the lads and we're all behind them. So, it's only so much we can say in it. So, yeah, kind of a a bad night all around. Uh, only Wright's bark was, was, was Naj's cameo, as we said. And also... He was making a senior debut that night at the age of uh, 16. And shout out to the gents on this one, Kieran Gentleman. Remember, he won that competition where the question was, how many players have played for Rovers since we've moved to Tata, 2009? Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually forgot to keep keep a tab open on that, but the gent was, was tracking it. So Naj was 250. 250 for Naj, yeah. 250 he was brilliant brilliant what a little player players. yeah superb really looking forward to seeing him now um, so yeah Gar, out of the cup she didn't wear a green ribbon anyway um, no. one goal in five games no from open play uh, Giggsy says goal of the month would be tough it's just a penal <laughs> <laughs> at least he has it he knows, he knows he's going to win it social media are just going to be out of ideas at the end of I think July. they might take a note out of our book. What just, did he even uh, talk about? We'll skim that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Brazier is still stuck on 499 goals. Do you remember when I called out that stat? I said Brazier's on 498. Did I call it out? I don't, I don't remember. Think so. I, don't I don't remember that. I don't remember if I did. 
but you just presume like we're going to win 2 or 3-0 some game at some stage the fact that we, he hasn't hit the 500 as of 5 games ago is mental to me there we go Ferenc Farris um, Nadrazi there's your, there's your prediction 500 goal right yeah. Other cup games. Other cup games. Um, we had what did we got? What was notable, prof? Everybody else pretty much went through and got decent draws. The draws out now as we speak. Guess who balls got home? Anyone? Non-league club. Rockmount. Rockmount. There you go. Yeah. Pat's got Derry, so Pat's have to travel mm-hmm. up to the Brandywell for a cup game. Other than that, Cork and terrible Cork. away draws in the cup. Yeah. Cork and Waterford. Cork at home against Waterford. So decent enough toys, but um, Kerry FC got their first home win. Yes. And. They have a podcast. The Kerry Man Podcast. Really? Yes. No, not this myself now, but it's uh, extremely Kerry. I'd say so. <laughs> I have to give that one a blast, prof. Um, yeah, so oh, so we're going to move on from the the grey cloud. I even, even saying that, like, I was saying that, like, Doom Talk is, it's horrific. It's a horrible town. I'll go on record and say it, it just never gets better. Every time we go up there. Every time. I actually feel worse about it every time I go. Yeah. And I, I, know. I know I keep dragging you up. I should have stuck with my tradition of only going once a year max, if even that. And three times I went. I know, yeah. Um, yes, so next up we have Hannah Dunn, Rovers player Jess Hennessy, and the memory man, just amazing, talking Rovers, Ireland, and Ring's End. Just a quick note before we play this. Uh, Jess, her she's on the holidays, so her internet connection, unfortunately, was brutal. So we lose her halfway through the interview. Before we got the chance to talk the World Cup, but then what we did was, I sent her on the questions I would have asked her, or Hannah would have asked her, and she sent it back through voice notes. So, oh, so you'll hear Jess come on at the end after Jules has finished talking. Excellent stuff. We're joined now by Rovers defender Jess Hennessy and Hoop supporter Justin Mason to talk about our women's team and the World Cup in Australia and New Zealand. Jess has taken time out of her holidays to make her podcast debut today, but it's not Justin's first time on Tifties. Welcome and welcome back, guys. Thanks, Hannah. Thanks, Simeon. Thanks for having me. Jess, you joined Rovers from Athlone Town. Your friend Melissa O'Kane signed from the Midlands too, so you had a familiar face in the dressing room. How are you enjoying life with the hoop so far? Um, yeah, I'm loving my time with hoops. Um, I think speaking for Melissa and I, we really enjoyed it and everyone has been so friendly and the minute we started and the girls management just everyone associated with Rovers have really welcomed us in so we're loving it at the moment. The season has been full of ups and downs and exciting games what has been your favourite game so far this season Jess? Um, I think my favourite game was probably beating Piemont after them beating us the first time Um, I think that first game we were really unlucky to not get a draw or at least win it so it was kind of nice then to go back and beat them Justin you've been a regular in the stands in Tala since the women's side returned to senior football this season what have you thought about their style of play under Colly O'Neill and which players have stood out for you I think they've been excellent uh, and I think you have to remember this is a, like there was pressure on them at the start of the year there was a lot of Hype, there was a lot of interest. We're always coming back into the league and the players we were signing. But it was a whole new team. It was going to take them time to gel, but they've gelled really quickly and they've been absolutely fantastic. And I think the times I've seen them, and I think they laid down an early marker, I think, 
was the third, maybe the fourth game of the season. We beat Wexford 2-1 on a Wednesday night in Tallaght. And they were brilliant that night. Yeah. Um, and I think we've been absolutely superb since. I mean, to lose only to lose only two games, one in the league to Piedmont and one away in, in the Cup to, to Wexford, you two were a lot of people's tips for the league at the start of the season because they went so close to... Like, I think they got to a Cup semi-final and were toured in the league last year. And then they added... Rihanna Jarrett came back and they added... Um, Emily Corbett into the team, who was just was a teammate with you at Athlone last year, wasn't she? And, yeah, uh, she's yeah, she's a, a striker, yeah. Yeah, and she scored a lot of goals last year, so a lot of people were tipping them. So for us to beat them in the fourth game of the season, lay down a serious marker, I think we've been really excellent. I really have, and I think they're, they're an absolute credit. And the, the football we play has been absolutely outstanding. Obviously, Jamie Thompson, you know, one we've developed ourselves, has been superb, Leah O'Leary. But I, I think just the single out players being fair and everyone, I think as a squad, and as a team, and as a collective, I think we've been brilliant. And I think the team this year have been a massive addition to our football club. The atmosphere for the home games. The crowds are obviously not as big as the men's matches, but describe the buzz during and after. And would you encourage others to check out the Rovers women every second Saturday? Oh, oh yeah, 100%. I think if you look at, at the end of the match, it's brilliant. You have the players talking to each other and then the players talking to family, friends, fans, and not just fans of their own team. Of the opposition team, I, I think it's a it's it's wonderful to to visualise and it's wonderful to see, and it's a, it does be a brilliant occasion in 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 Tala every time the team plays. And I would encourage anyone if you have a spare Saturday evening at five thirty, go along and watch them, and you'll you'll be you'll be you'll really enjoy the you get you get your value because they really are a great side to watch, and you know, and, and they're challenging the top of the league. And sure, what more would we want in our fourth season? You know, but I definitely I think the atmosphere would be brilliant. But I think it's the camaraderie, not just between one club's players and its own support. I just think it's the camaraderie between everyone. You know, you do see, like, I have a relation. Uh, my wife's uh, niece plays for Bowers, me and Dad. And I even see her talking to the Rovers guys after we played them in April. I wasn't there, but I watched it on the video. And even after we played them in, in June in, in Dalyman. So there's great camaraderie between all, all the players and, and all the supporters, and I think it's brilliant. And I think um, let's hope we can get more to go because it does be a really enjoyable Saturday evening up in Tallow when the team is playing. Yes, we've set league record attendances in Tallow this season and the support has grown every week. Does the support drive you on and help you perform better? Um, definitely, yeah. When you hear everyone shouting and encouraging you, um, it definitely does drive you on and even me and the girls were always talking about it. like we have to for all the supporters like we want to put on a good game for them and we want to play well and we want to score goals so that does really drive us on You've been an ever-present at the back this season and you scored your first goal for Rovers in the 5-0 win over Cork and Tala How did it feel to get off the mark for the club? To be honest, I didn't even know I scored. I wasn't even able to hit the back of my head. But <laughs> a goal is a goal. But um, no, it's great. Like it's just even when you hear everyone like shouting for you after and your name announced over the the intercom or whatever. Um, yeah, no, it was great. I, I really enjoyed that. And obviously, all the girls celebrating. It's it's a really nice moment. And right before that game, you were presented with the Player of the Month award for April. So was that a nice moment as well? Yeah, exactly. It was actually that day was a good day in the in the Rover shirt. But um yeah, I was delighted to get player of the month. But um I think 
anyone could have got it that month. Everyone was playing very well. And lucky enough, I was chosen. But um, yeah, no, that was a really special moment as well. Justin, you're on the Pride of Rings End Committee, which usually sponsors Sean Gannon and Sean Kavanagh. Tell us what you did as soon as you heard that Rings End native Abby Larkin put pen to paper for the hoops at the start of the year. I think within about 60 seconds, Hannah, I was on to Dennis Donahue. Uh, asking could we sponsor her so uh, obviously there had been rumours and whispers and then the night before she actually signed there was a lot on social media so we were I, I had the text ready and the email ready to send to Dennis so I was on straight to him and I think he was expecting it to be fair to him so uh, yeah we were, we were we were straight on to that because like we couldn't have just sponsored the two lads and not sponsored Abby so there, there wasn't even a question it was like as soon as she signs we're sponsoring her so so that was it. So I think within, I think we had our sponsored within about five minutes of actually the public announcement being made. So we, we, yeah, we were, we, and we are very proud to sponsor her, you know, because some of the lads would know her. Uh, I'd probably, I'm at the age, I'd, I'd, I'd know her parents and I'd know her aunties and uncles more than I would know Abby herself. But, uh, and she's, you know, and since she's come to the club and she's getting all the adulation now because they got the, the international team and rightly so, but she's been a great signer for us and, and she's a really good player. And every time I've watched this year, I've been really impressed with her. So, yeah, we were delighted to sponsor Hannah, yeah, definitely. Were you surprised and disappointed by the behaviour of Shelburne's official media when the move happened, considering she was only a, still a teenage footballer? And how well has she handled all that outside noise? I have to be careful what I say there, yeah. Um, yeah, I, 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 was very, I was very disappointed. I think at the end of the day, Football is like um, it's like any other career. You go where you feel you'd be better challenged, where better suits your circumstance at the time. And when I was younger, probably with Abby's age, when when it happened the other way round, actually, when when Stephen Gagan left Rovers to go to Shells, I'd have been a bit more. I can't believe he's going there. But as you get older, you realise well, there's a reason why people change clubs. And I think for Abby's career, it was it was the better move. They should have been, in in my opinion. I thought the club handled it wrongly. And in fairness to a lot of Shells fans, I don't think they were happy how the, it was announced and how what Shells did on social media. Um, I think it was very disappointing, I think, because she, she'd been very good for them for two years. She'd been a big part of their double winning team last year. And, uh, you know, I, I just think it was disappointing. But look, I wouldn't blame the whole club. That's just one person who wants their social media probably felt this was the right thing to say. Um, in fairness, I think, that, in fairness to Shelburne, they did act as a club. Um, to to um, I think reprimand that individual, but it was very very disappointing. And as you said, she's only a teenager, Hannah. She doesn't deserve that, you know. The girl made a move that she felt would improve her football career, and she's well entitled to do that. Um, obviously, from where we're from, as you know, your dad's from down there as well. There's a uh, a bit of banter going between ourselves and Shells fans over it. So, uh, but otherwise, yeah, I, 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 it was it was just on that individual. I wouldn't blame Shells as a whole as a club, but I'd certainly blame the individual for doing that. And, you know, they need to take a long, hard look at themselves for posting that that evening. Yeah. We've lost Jess, but we're going to carry on with just Justin. Justin, Ireland played their first ever game at the Women's World Cup on Thursday, where we narrowly lost out to Australia. We'll talk about our very own Abby in a moment, but what did you think of the game? Yeah, I thought they yeah. gave a great, great account of themselves. Like, the first half, they had to defend a lot. Never really... Um, they never really got got a chance to attack. But I think in the second half, when they went 1-0 down, was probably the best thing that happened to them because they just then played without any fear. And they really should have got at least something. like They didn't create a corner for the 60-odd minute. And then, excuse me, they created seven. 
in the last 25. Gave a great account of themselves and were unlucky not to get a result. I would have won. I would have thought Amber Barrett really should have come on, but that's just me. I think I could see why she put why she put the way uh, Louise Quinn up near the end because for the simple fact the way the um, the way the Australians had sat so deep. But I think overall as a performance, the girls gave an absolute wonderful performance and it gives a like they're in a very tough group, Hannah, you know. I mean you're in there with the the host or the joint host, the Olympic champions and the best team in Africa. So it was always going to be a tough group. But with the way, if they can get a result on Wednesday against Canada, even a victory, they're in a wonderful position. A wonderful position. But they gave a wonderful account of themselves on tours. And I think everyone should be very proud of them. I know you just mentioned it, but how do you think we can do against Canada and Nigeria based on that performance? Yeah, look, it's not, as I said, it's not going to be easy. Hannah, but if we can get a win, especially if we can get a win on Wednesday, you know, again, it'll be tough. You're playing the team that's won the Olympic gold medal just under two years ago. So, you know, that's going to be tough. But if they can get a win there, they're in a great position where a point against Nigeria will be enough. Now, you're hoping that Australia win their three games. Now, without Sam Kerr, that could be very tough for them. But, um, yeah, I think we, we have a chance. Um, I can't see Vera is a very pragmatic manager. I can't see her making many changes. She may she may go with the same ploy against Canada City of Australia and maybe bring on the likes of Abby and Lucy and Quinn with about 25, 30 minutes to go. But I wouldn't. I'd start. I'd certainly start Abby if it was me. But I think we have a chance. And that's all. In, a, in your first World Cup, that's all you want. You want a chance to see can you progress and see how far you can get. But I think the way they played on, on tours, they gives us great hope going into the last two matches. Obviously, as you just said, Abby came off the bench to make her World Cup debut at just 18 in the Australia game and she's received a lot of praise for the impact she made. Were you delighted for her? Oh, definitely. And, and, and certainly for her family, I think you could see all the all the effort they've gone into making occasion of it down in Wings End and what they did in Irish Town Stadium. And, and like, whether she, and I think her uncle said it last week, whether she gets a game or not, you know, the, the fact she was just there was brilliant. But she played with no fear. Hannah and you know she was she was absolutely excellent and like that's what happens when you're that young age like she's the think our youngest ever player to play the World Cup I think she beat Gary Kelly's record uh, he was 19 and 94 now she did actually say in an interview the other day in the paper who was Gary Kelly so <laughs> that was funny but it uh, made me feel old to be honest with you but uh, yeah I thought she I thought she was absolutely outstanding and I think for the people that know her and everyone in Rings End, that, that, that you can still. I was down in Rings End on Saturday for another uh, football match, and you know the the area looks fantastic. There's a buzz about the place because of the fact that Abby's playing in the World Cup and she played so well on on um, on Thursday. So absolutely delighted for her and, and her family and and everyone that knows her and everyone around the area. It's 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 absolutely brilliant to see and it's fantastic. Going into the tournament, we saw Abby's joy at being confirmed in Vera's squad and what it meant to her family. There's a big display in Rings End wishing her luck in the World Cup. Is the whole community behind her? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> if there's someone who's against us, <laughs> they're keeping very quiet. But yeah, the whole community. And even where I'm technically I'm from Pier Street, so and even Pier Street is, is massively behind her. There's bunting around a lot of places in Pier Street as well. And when you look at the fact that people have written songs for the likes of Shay Conley has written a song for, for Abby and Shay be a big GA man. So it shows you 
the impact she's had in the in the area and you know the buzz she's given the whole area and how proud everyone is of her. So yeah, it's it's the whole community is definitely behind her, hundred percent behind her. Yeah. Finally, Justin, you didn't travel to Iceland, but you watched the Rovers game against Breda Blick in the Irish Town House in Ringsend. Is it always a good group of hoop supporters together for nights like that? But it just ended on a sour note, getting knocked out of the Champions League. Yeah, it is. Like it, was, it was, it was a good buzz down there last Tuesday. Um, you know, um, you know, and a lot will be members of our supporters club, and then there'll be a few who weren't, but would know. I, I know a lot. Like there was four or five who would be members of our supporters club there, but we know them really well, and a few of the others lads came down as well. Yeah, it was. It was good buzz. Everyone was in good spirits beforehand, you know, and we thought we could, we could, we could mount a comeback and 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 pull it off. But sadly, we didn't, Hannah. But it was good atmosphere. I think at the end of the night, people were just it, expe- uh, accepted what had happened. It was just like we were just beaten by the better side over two legs, and and sometimes in sport you just have to put your hands up when you're beaten by a better side, and and that's what happened just last week. But the atmosphere was good and. Like I think Carl has been there before and Gary's been there before, so the lads would know how 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 good the atmosphere is there for for matches. I mean, Scoopy last year was amazing. The place was bouncing when we qualified for the group stages last year. So yeah, it's gone. It's good to get with fellow Hoopers because you know obviously you're going to games in Tala and then people are going off doing their own thing. So when you get a chance to meet up, it's it's really enjoyable. So it was an enjoyable night apart from the results. Were you in the pub that night even longer than Tifty's 200th podcast episode last year? No. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a that was an enjoy, really enjoyable night. I think the one of the best things about that night was I had like I think it was not so much myself and younger the hoops. I think to have some of the older hoops there that night, the likes of Milner's dad, Richie, Paul Clayton, my own father, Paul, and others there to see Jody and, and all there that night it was a really great night that night in the Irish Townhouse for for Tifty's two hundred and as I said before to the last, they've been a massive addition to the to the club when from when they started in twenty seventeen and to have the likes of yourself on Hannah and, and young uh, young young more lad as well. I think it's it's absolutely brilliant and it, it's great that we have that, you know, every week or every you know, we have that like I listen every Friday, you know, before the match. So Friday morning, Friday afternoon, Friday evening, I, I listen to it every week and it's a, it's a massive part of the club now and it's it's great to see. So yeah. I hope the lads reach 500 in 2029, I think we'll be looking at. So, yeah. um, I thought Ireland played really well against Australia. Um, I thought they were maybe a little bit nervous when they first came out, which was not, which was natural as it's the first World Cup and there's a massive build-up to it. But um, no, I thought they played really well and I thought um, there was no nerves then in the, in the second half and they really went at them. Um, I think they were really unlucky not to get a draw or even a win at times. I felt like they had lots of opportunities. Just the, la- the final ball kind of killed them a bit. But um, no, there's so many positives to, to take out of that game. And it just shows that Ireland are well able to compete at World Cup. And hopefully that will give them confidence for the next game. Um, yeah, of course, I was absolutely delighted for Lerico. Um She has such an amazing talent. And I think just her personality and her drive to want to be the best and how much effort she puts into it and in training she's always she's always given 100% so yeah no I was absolutely delighted for Darko and um, I think she done so well when she came off the bench she made such an impact um, and for someone at 18 years of age how she carried herself and all the media after it 
she's um she's really a credit to herself and her family and no doubt she has a massive career ahead of her and just everyone in Rovers and Ringsenders is so proud of her. Yeah, um, naturally I found the move up to a full-time professional setup was tough, but um, I'm really enjoying my time and I knew it was going to be a challenge, but I'm not one to, to fear away from a challenge. Um, I'm the type of player that wants to excel and challenges are all part of soccer and um, Rovers is just such a professional setup and it's just, it really suits me down to the ground. Um, no wonder Abby is excelling at senior level and the trainings are top quality and such a high intensity and Collie and Kieran are great and uh, Orla White as well she she really has um, a good understanding of the players and um, everyone really buys into everything she says and the gym is always so good and um, yeah so really no no wonder Abby is is excelling and the likes of Anya as well like Anya has been great for us um, and even the younger girls coming up, the likes of Leo Leary, Melissa Kane, Joy Ralph, Jamie Thompson, Abby Tuchel, the the names go on and on, and it's great for them to be playing with the likes of Abby and Anya, and really seeing what international football is like. And um, yeah, it's just it's just great for all of us at Rovers. Yeah, um, we're in third place at the moment, and we have a a bit of a wait till our our next league game, but um. No, everyone's looking forward to it and we'll come back, recharge after the break. Um, I'm raring to go already and I'm only off a week and I'm still doing sessions and we all have a plan, um, a session plan for the week. So um, Orla White handed it out to us. So we're all just taking away with that and um, yeah, we, we can't wait for the, the season to um, recommence and um, we'll give it the best shot and, and see where see what happens. So yeah, that was Hannah, Jess, uh, battling her, her internet technical issues there. And Justin Mason from Ring's End, who is uh, very proud of Abby Larkin. Uh, as is everyone in the in the area, she uh, did us proud in Sydney. Ring's End is decked out, prof. Excellent when she came on. Uh, I, I I feel she's played her way into the starting 11. I can't believe the gap in the games, actually. Because I was saying it's you. I said, yeah. the game's probably going to be on in like three days. It's a, a week minimum, isn't it? The Men's World Cup, I'm pretty sure. Three days, four Don't they days. play every three, four days? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um. So, yeah, next game is Canada. So, this the show's going out Wednesday. So, uh, that'll be tonight as you're listening to this. I, I feel like she uh, has earned her spot on the starting 11. She was that impressed when she came on. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, youngest ever player to feature for Ireland, male or female, at a World Cup, just 18 years old. Robbie Keane's close enough. Was he 18 against Germany? Or debut, maybe? No go- no Euros or World Cup? I'm getting that wrong, am I? I'm thinking the debut, mm-hmm. am I? Not World Cup appearances. As in first World Cup. Yeah, yeah. no, I'm um, wrong there, I'm wrong there. Not sure how old Robbie Keane was. But um, I think I think Keane was about 16 in 1998. So, so would have been that would make him about 20. So. Yeah, 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 you're right so, there. Bro. So, yeah... Um, another thing that was interesting is uh, again the gent giving him a mention here he's he's wondering how come nobody's mentioned the fact that Abby Larkin is the first player to play at a World Cup whilst with a League of Ireland club really? so first appearance ever from Women's World Cup from anyone in the League of Ireland club Sean Crawford no people players have played for League of Ireland moved on Played oh, at the World yeah, Cup. Yeah. Players have played at the World Cup, gotten older, 
come back to the league round. So, for example, the three rowers are Bobby Collins, Scotland, 1958. Mm-hmm. David Campbell, Northern Ireland, 1986. Joey and Zoe, 1998. He was in the squad in 2002, but he didn't actually play. Mm. And Damien Duff in 2002 as well. So, all those players played for hours after playing the World Cup. But Abby is with the League of Ireland club playing at a World Cup. I, far as I know, this has never happened before. No, Prof with the exclusive. So, uh, hopefully Anya comes on and gets some minutes too then. Because she's the only other squad member. Surely she will yeah. at 100 plus caps. You'd think she would, wouldn't you? Yeah. Um. So we had, yeah, we had Justin talking there just at the end there about watching the game. Is Ke- oh, just before Mc- you go forward, is Katie McCabe wasted at left wing back? <laughs> Isn't Anya kind of a defender as well? That's where know. she's utilised and she's she- our top goal scorer. Yeah, maybe so. That's where Vera wants to play her. Um, so Hannah was asking Joe's there about watching the Bradabit game in the Irish Town House just for people who didn't travel. Uh, did you watch there as well? No, no, I didn't. I, I, had, a, I had a few things on. I was watching yeah. back and forth. But uh, some point out Bill Graham Gartz on the commentary uh, after saying how all the Icelandic players names end in son and then a few seconds later he goes one of the sons gets a block in <laughs> <laughs> well, he's not wrong yeah and quick n- women's team news Chloe McCarthy the daughter of physio Tony she's left to join 3D United she's going to get more minutes I'd, I'd imagine uh, very very tough Place to get a starting, uh, a starting place in that team. Very, very competitive. Prof the academy. Men's nineteens beat UCD two one in the cup, and the women's nineteens beat Pmount two one in the league. Both of those at home. Men's seventeens were three one winners over at Lawn. The cup arose on the fifteens won five two away to Treaty United. And the weekend before that was the women's nineteens who were in cup action losing three nil to Dundalk, having drawn nil all at Bowes. Few days earlier, and the men's 19s beat Shelburne 3 1 at home with Justin Ferrazoy on the score sheet. And the men's 17s won 4 3 in Longford, and the women's 17s beat the DLR Waves 3 2 at Roadstone. So, um, yeah, that is the roundup. And in other news, Barry Ferguson, dad of Evan and former the new DDSL director former of hoop, football, sorry. former hoop, yeah, yeah. center half 2008, uh, center back pairing with um, uh, McGuire, Darren McGuire, Darren McGuire, yeah. McGuire, yeah. So, yeah, so a good football man heading in as the DDSL director of football and they probably do need a bit of new direction considering they are competing. I don't say competing, but the FEOI National League is um, it's it's up there with them now. So, Prof, next up, start 11s and predictions. So, starting 11s, Prof, I'm going to go way left field here. Way left field here. Um... I'm going to go for it. I'm going to say, why not? So, it's going to go Manus. Grace Pico Cleary. I thought Cleary... I like the way Cleary advances with the ball. And I think he gives us a few more options as going forward. Um, possibly... I'm just going for it because I don't know what else to think. Cavo has to play left wing back because there's no other real options there unless you want to put Green in. But it won't be happening. I'm going to go Gannon, right wing back. Throw him in there. Hmm. Throw him in. Okay. Tell and Gary O'Neill. I'm going to go Bork, Green and Nadge. I agree with Nadge. I, at this point, why not? Why not? He was very impressive. He was excellent. Get him in there. Bork, Green and Nadge. Um, 
That's what I'm going for. So no Poom, no Hoare, no Finn. Gives us a decent enough bench. And just out of curiosity, do you think Brazzer would play Nash? Like, like he's been careful in the past. Obviously, he started Gavin Mazzuno in Sweden at the age of 16. But Gavin had had four league games behind him going into that. Yeah. He is, he ha- he is protective of players. He doesn't want them to have like a a bad experience and yeah. then a setback. But maybe now that he's played men's football and he's shown he can compete with the mm. physicality of it and that he pretty much was superb when he came played, on. Played on the big stage in the 17s. He could look at these, he could yeah. look and think, do you know what? Go for it. What's the worst I can happen? Stick him in the cloud and I'm going to go one all. I'm going to take us a draw back to Tala and then on the front foot and hopefully. Very optimistic. I know, I have to be. Gary is going for a draw in Hungary. There's a lot of scribbling there, probably. So, Grace, Pigo, Cleary, yeah, Manus, yeah, Canada. Yeah. Um, was it Ferenc Farris or was it Ludogratz, the one where Gannon made a mistake? But I think he was playing centre-back that night. Mm. Remember, it was one of those heavy defeats. I think he was at fault for one of the goals. And he doesn't have much minutes in the legs, though, Gary, does he? That's the thing. But neither does Finner. No. So it depends on what you want. I think I'd mm. rather go for a natural fullback, someone who's been there, done that. Now Finn is. I, I just think possibly Gannon could have more pace. But listen, go. What, what's the worst that could happen? So you've chosen Green over Kenny. Is this punishment for his odds misses? No, no. Um, I just think I need. We need that physical presence. Mm-hmm. He was like Kenny was slight, was bullied against Boyle, mm-hmm. and I'm guessing these two big centre halves or three centre halves, whatever way they're going to play. They're going to be big boys, so I think Green has. We're going to need that little bit of nastiness up front. And I thought Green had a good game against Dundalk. It was good to see him back to himself, getting stuck in, uh, held the ball up well at times. So I think it's going to be greener. Yeah, I can't really argue with your team. It's not like I think Finn or Gannon could go either way there. Um, I do like to see Poom in Europe though, because I think. But then again, yeah, tell you know, I'd rather see Tell start this game. Oh, I think I'm just going to copy on this one, Gar. Um, I don't have any changes at all here. And uh, prediction. I'll say a 2-1 defeat, giving us a bit of hope coming back to Tala. Yeah, I think there is going to be hope. There is going to be hope. We might as well call it out here, Prof. The FAI Cup second round draw has been done. I know it's morbid, but we might as well talk about what could have been. Finn Harps at home to Scaries, Derry at home to Pats, UCD. Uh, at home to Galway, Cork, Waterford. Patsy, Y got Wexford, Bowes got Rockmount, surprise, surprise. Uh, home, Kerry, uh, home to Drotada, so potential scalp in Mount Hawk Park there. Bray got home to Dundalk. So, um, yeah, that's it. That is the cup draw that we are now gone from. So, we have the first leg against Ferns Farris this Thursday, second leg, August 3rd. And Cork at home, we move to Sunday at 6pm, two hours after Yanira. Friendly, so you can catch United at four and then head over to Rovers at six. If you do have tickets, because there is a bit of a split there, a couple of people did actually get the tickets. For United, bring the kids and see superstars there, but uh, the big game is on the Sunday at six o'clock, Prof, in Tallis Stadium. AGM, Saturday 2nd of September at 12pm the day after the Bowes game, Prof. Put it in your diaries. Put it in your diaries, a very important event in uh, the running of the club, so... Put it in your diaries. Gary Twig is also confirmed as a special guest for the Members Gala event at the Aviva Stadium in October. More names to be announced in the coming weeks, prof. So that is it for this week. There's not much more to say. We're off to Budapest against the Fratty.
Do you have any Hungarian for us? No. To close the show, no? Not a chance. Not this time. Um, but that is it for this week, Prof. Safe travels to everybody going to Budapest. And we will keep on hooping. See you. But I know a change gon' come